Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is Comfort Blanket and I'm Joel Morris. I'm going to be talking to someone who makes cool stuff that I like. I'm going to talk to them about some warm stuff that they like. In this extra episode, I'm going to be talking to the writer, Will McLean. Will's a TV and radio writer and also a novelist who wrote The Apparition Phase, a 70s hauntological ghost novel. Um, And Will got in touch and said, let's do Better Call Saul. He knew we both loved the show and would have talked about it a lot. And he said, this week of all weeks is the perfect time to talk about it because it's a continuing box set and we don't know what's going to happen. And the last episode's going to be next week, so we'll never get a chance to talk about Better Call Saul when we're in the middle of being addicted to it, rather than having finished it. This is us, talking about Better Call Saul, not knowing what's going to happen. Three dollars. I'm validated. See the stickers? Well, I see five stickers. You're one shy. It's three dollars. They gave me, look, I'm validated for the entire day, okay? Five stickers, six stickers. I don't know from stickers because I was in that court back there saving people's lives, so. Well, gee, that's swell. And thank you for restoring my faith in the judicial system. Now you either pay the three dollars or you go back inside and you get an additional sticker. Fine, you win. Hooray for you. Backing up! I have to back up! I need more stickers! Don't have enough stickers! Thank you! Thank you! Very nice! Right, so this is an interesting thing to do, because we're going to talk about Better Call Saul. And we haven't finished it. (laughs) It's still on the television. In fact, nobody's finished it yet. Yeah, we're recording this uh, episode... 12 of season 6 has just gone out. Yes. Episode 13 is next week, and we don't know what's going to happen. No. Uh, so we thought it's a good idea to record something now to preserve a moment of history <laughs> where, where we don't know the end of a show that we've both been following. Yeah. Uh, that That is my comfort blanket. That's my choice for uh, when I want to unwind and relax and watch something. Stressful. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, mm. that's what's interesting about this, is I think that people, a lot of people are bringing stuff on, and people are tending. When you ask people what the best television is of all time, it's, it's, uh, it's The Wire or Edge of Darkness or something, but people don't tend to name it when they're naming a comfort blanket. People love that stuff, yes. but they don't just idly tune to it 
of an evening to chill out in the way they would watch an old episode of QI or <laughs> the Great British Bake Off or something. Um, but Better Call Saul seems to be occupying a place at the moment for a lot of people where it is really comforting. I think that's true. And I think this was consolidated during the first lockdown, uh, whereas in, in Britain it went out on Tuesday. So Tuesday was it was one of the only things you could date the, the week by. <laughs> so it was like, oh, there's Thursday where we clap for the NHS. And then there's Tuesday where Lalo Salamanca will kill someone. And that's the only calendar we have now. So uh, so that that was it. But it, it consolidated it as being a place you go. Yeah. That, to me, is an important part of it being a comforting thing, is that it's a place you, it's, you know, it's escapism. You go to that place. And the consequences aren't yours, yeah. You know, and the, and the life, the lives being ruined aren't yours. But they, you're invested enough in the characters to enjoy or not enjoy what happens to them. I missed Breaking Bad, uh, like a lot of people, and I only came to it as it was finishing. Because everyone was... And it's that thing as well. Usually when people bang on about things, I get very resistant to it. Yeah. So I started this... <laughs> I started being, is it better than Robin of Sherwood? No, <laughs> probably isn't, is it? Yeah. I don't think... Because nothing's better than that. Yeah. Um, and it turned out... And it is. It's just as good as... Um, but it's bold also, claim. It's bold bold claim. claim. But it is... I mean, I was very late to Breaking Bad, and it was... It is a brilliant show. And it is, but it is, it is a frantic and stressful show. Yes. And it is a hundred miles an hour from the beginning. There's very little in it that's slow. Yeah. <laughs> After Breaking Bad finished, because, you know, this is, it's a, it, was a, it was a global obsession. Yeah. It was, it was such a big hit. And after that, to produce a show that didn't give you anything that you'd come to expect from that show, the speed of it, yeah. the, the criminality of it. There was just, it's a very slow burn. And a lot of people, it wasn't for a lot of people initially. It well, took, I, I had the reverse thing. Was I loved Breaking Bad a lot. I was an mm. early adopter of Breaking Bad. I right. bought it on DVD. That's how wow. old. On 78. When, when it used to be on Channel 5. <laughs> I was Breaking Bad early on. I went mad for it. Mm. Um, and I was really, really into it. And then when Better Call Saul came out, I thought, I don't want to watch this because I've had too much of that. Yeah. I, by the time it, it, it came to that big, big ending that everyone was talking about, oh, well, what's the climax of Breaking Bad? What's going to mm. happen? Um, and I was rushing to the end of the end of it. And they said, and now we're going to do a spin-off. And I, I really have had enough of that world. So I avoided watching it for ages. And when I finally came to Better Call Saul, the thing that delighted me was, oh, this isn't Breaking Bad. Yes. And that, I think, is what's really interesting about it. Because Breaking Bad was seen very much as the peak of that kind of drama. Yes. And I'm going to be a, make a huge generalisation here and say, Breaking Bad is very post-Wire. Mm. The Wire's come out and said, this is what grown-up, novelistic American TV can be. Right. And it will be about people on street corners in hoodies mm. mumbling. Yeah. And Breaking Bad comes out and goes, yeah, what if it was like that? And a little bit uh, a little bit funny. And a little bit Sopranos. And a little bit Sopranos. Yeah. Midlife crisis yeah. in there. Well, put all the stuff together in a big pot. Mm. You know, this is just the, this is as big as it can get. It's going to have some guys from sitcom in it. So it's got some jokes. It's got yeah. the guy from Malcolm in the Middle. It's going to be funny. <laughs> oh, the guy from the X-Files is going to make it. So it's going to yeah. have all that sort of uh, adventure of the week stuff in it. Yes. It's everything it can be. Uh, and it hit that thing. And you went, well, I've seen that now. And the next thing I want to watch might be set on a spaceship. Yeah. It might not be about gangsters. Yes. And brilliantly, I th think I was expecting Better Call Saul to be the same mm. and just to be a spin-off. I, I think, think oh, we all were. 
I think yeah. we were all expecting just more of the same. I mean, the signs after they didn't look good when the, the first rumours about it came out that it was going to be a sitcom. It was going to be a half an hour sitcom. Really? This was the rumour that. That, that it would be like a sort of, he'd do anything to not go to court. Yeah, um, yeah. And it would, it would just... That, that. And you can do that because you've cast Bob Odenkirk. You've yeah, done, exactly. Formula-wise, yeah. you've done the same thing as you did with Breaking Bad. You yes. put someone who's got comedy chops in the middle of a massive drama. Yeah. So you can say, oh, we could do half a... Like they've done with Succession. I think the reason Succession works is it's a lot of people from sitcom yes. making a high-prestige drama. Yeah. So you go, oh, actually, it feels a bit... Oh, it's funny. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Ow, what the hell, man? Listen, Starlight Express, I'm going to give you a 9.6 for technique, 0.0 for choice of victim. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> Furthermore, does, does a steaming pile of crap scream payday to you, huh? The only way that entire car is worth 500 bucks is if there's a $300 hooker sitting in it. The thing is, you and I went to see uh, Charlie Brooker interview... Bob Odenkirk, yeah. Ali Pally, of all places, which you can, you can see from my house. I found the, the oddness of seeing Bob Odenkirk in North London <laughs> was just appealing. So we went along to that, and Bob Odenkirk said something he'd said before in interviews where he said that, he said, I didn't think it would catch on because he said, you know, I didn't think it was as universal a story as Breaking Bad because Breaking Bad is about a man who has a midlife crisis and decides to do something entirely different and, you know, do something reckless. And he said, whereas this is a drama about a lawyer, you know, a lawyer who's corrupt, who becomes... It's interesting because he's obviously the centre of that show. As, as a viewer, I had the exact opposite experience because I think Breaking Bad is... Walter White becomes rapidly very unsympathetic. Yeah. And he's also, a, you know, this is the other thing, he's, he's a Nobel Prize-nominated chemist, or, <laughs> you know, which, which I personally am not. Uh, but this is a shock to me. And I, if I'm you sorry. told me that you weren't, I I'm sorry. Be friends. I mean, I did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You learn these things. I know. Podcasts. I know. Sorry, here yeah. we are. Anyway, so I'm so is not someone you could relate so to. So sorry, I conned you into <laughs> setting up that pharmacy with me. Your worst <laughs> into developing Jimmy. that drug. You know? um, so, but breaking, uh, break, so breaking bad is about it, and it also, as you pointed out at the time, it's sort of Tamburlaine the Great. It's Macbeth. Breaking Bad is a hugely epic story about a man becoming as evil as he possibly can you clearly don't know who you're talking to so let me clue you in i am not in danger skylar i am the danger a guy opens his door and gets shot and you think that of me no i am the one who knocks well their pitch wasn't it so we're going to take mr chips and turn him into scarface yes i got the feeling with breaking bad that they were expecting it to maybe not run as long as it did because he goes bad. He breaks bad. Yeah. Season two. Yeah. I want to talk about this a lot. The moment he becomes his supervillain secret identity, he yes. gets a name and a myth. That I kind of went, hey, this is great fun watching this guy, but I've forgotten he's a chemistry teacher. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Because he's just a baddie now. Yeah. He's in there with Gus Fring and the Salamancas. He's another gangster. What I think is fascinating about Better Call Saul and makes it different is that he is more relatable as just a guy doing a job. Yeah, this is it. I was, I, what I find more relatable about Jimmy is, and, and the whole setup of Better Call Saul is that we've all been tempted to cut corners and we've yeah. all tempted to go, you know, this would be a lot easier if I just did a slightly dodgy thing. And, you know, in any job we've had, it's like, this would be better if I'd, I, you know, <laughs> if I, you know, there's a minimum risk of me getting caught. It's the wrong thing to do. And it's, but it's presented in Better Call Saul as that's a very, as the phrase they use is bad choice road. It's like a, yeah. you start doing things like that and you'll end up doing very, very bad things if you're not careful. And I really like that arc. Because, the smallness of it, I think, is what's fascinating. Yes. And one of the things that I've talked to you about this a lot is that I, I have a, a 
minimal interest in crime. I'm not bothered by mm. true crime. I find gangster movies slightly tedious and things. What I really like is small-time crime. Yeah. Because it feels a bit more like we've all been tempted to maybe take 50p out of a till or work in a shop when we needed lunch and didn't have I think money. also most people have done small-time yeah. crime is, we, the, is the terrible thing. You, even, if they've, even if they've just smoked pot or they've... Stolen a know, toothbrush from Part from illegally. Or, yeah, <laughs> you know, so, so we've all done some tiny things and we've... You know, and and we are fascinated by people who do, you know, or not in your case, but we're fascinated by people who do that for a living. And yeah. It's, it's larger scale, but you wouldn't want that life. But here you are, Jeffy, standing outside with the suckers, trying to pay off that cab, sweating the bills, getting older. It's so close, but damn it, you just can't get in until now. I can make it happen. You? But I think that's where I think why it becomes interesting is that I think that when you get to a point where where criminals are of the size, there are criminals within the Breaking Bad universe, mm. and that fascinate television executives and audiences and are part of this. So you've got the big guys, the Salamancas and mm. the Gus Frings, the big, sinister, colourful gangsters. Yeah. And every time they're on screen in Breaking Bad, I'm kind of less interested because I know those guys. They've had films made about them before. <laughs> yeah. And that is Scarface, that is Casino, that is Goodfellas. These guys, and they belong in that world. Yeah, and I go, well, they're kind of safely there. I am lucky enough not to cross paths with them very often. Mm. What I love about Better Call Saul, even more than Breaking Bad, and I loved it at the beginning of Breaking Bad, was that contrast between small-time people making honest, simple mistakes mm. or the wrong choice yes. and how quickly they get dragged into that bigger world. I'm not interested in gangsters because they're sociopaths. And a sociopath isn't interesting because their motive is they don't care. Also, their choices are very, you know, predictable. Yeah, they're going to do the bad thing. Yeah. The great thing about, we should talk about the way that Better Call Saul starts, mm. it starts very, very small. Yeah. And they've just got jobs. <laughs> and Mike works in a parking garage. This is, this they've is, got the kind of jobs. And the phrase I used to use, I said, this is American Minder. I know, this they've is, just got boring, is, ordinary jobs. For, for any Americans who may be listening, Minder is, is very hard to explain. <laughs> Now, look, look, while you're busy upholding justice, you want me to look after the shop. That is something entirely different. That is a business arrangement. Yeah, yeah. And part of that business arrangement is I'm on wages, so I want a sub now. Minder was a series that ran on ITV in Britain uh, in, in from the very late 70s to the early 90s. And yeah. it was about... Uh, George he was, he Cole. Was a, he was a dodgy con man who yeah. sort of used to who who would do get rich quick schemes. It's basically it was the drama version of the sitcom Only Fools and Horses. He yeah. was after they ran at the same time. It's really where they both existed. Yeah, <laughs> both about the same thing. And he basically he would do dodgy deals. He would he would try and make money on so, it, so many things that happen in in, in Better Call Saul happened in Minder. The, 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 <laughs> the, the thing where he's making money off mobile phones is so yes. Minder. Is he'd hang around within the criminal underworld, meet people who were bigger criminals than him, mm. try and get a little bit of an advantage, get an edge, try and make a bit of money wheeling and dealing with yeah. the sort of Thatcherite economy. And his best mate was a tough ex-boxer who'd been to prison who was a fixer. Yeah. And I started watching Better Call Saul and went, oh my God, Jonathan <laughs> Banks is, is, is Dennis it's Walter. Terry McCann. <laughs> it's, it's, the <laughs> it's the idea that, that he's on the edge of the criminal world and happy to dip into it if it helps, but he's not a criminal. Yes. And I thought that was brilliant because criminals interest me less than ordinary people who find themselves dragged into that. It's much more sort of like a Hitchcock, an ordinary guy goes also, wrong story. in Breaking Bad where it's, it's everyone, it's life and death all the time and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it makes 
drug dealing looked like a horribly stressful occupation. <laughs> um, at some point, you think, well, for some of the characters, it must have been fun to begin with. Yeah. Or like, you know, a blast. And, some, and you get to see that in Better Call Saul. And I think yeah. people weren't prepared for that change of pace. I think they very much got on board quickly. But you have that. And I love those first three seasons where you are allowed to enjoy them as people. There's much more yeah. silence. There's much, It's not, as in Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad was all sinew. It was It was all plot, and it all drove relentlessly. Yeah, incredibly clever. I yeah. mean, a, a, a reviewer I, I, display. Yeah. You get the feeling with Better Call Saul that this is a bunch of people who, almost everyone else in drama is trying to keep up with Breaking Bad. They yes. want to make their Breaking Bad. Yeah. Whereas with Better Call Saul, these guys have already made Breaking Bad. Exactly. So they don't need to. They go, what else can we do? What other notes are there on the instrument? <laughs> yes. like they found an, and they found like a setting on the synthesizer that's the string pad. And they go, yeah. oh, rather than the hammering piano. Yeah, we can And they've do got slow. this new tune. Yeah. <laughs> and the new tune is it, it's small and intimate and character-based. And it has the joy of watching people make decisions. Yes. But quite luxuriously. Mm. So the stress levels maintained over a season yes. more than it is over an episode. So you're just going, oh, something bad's going to happen. This is going to go wrong. But actually, mm. for a couple of episodes, building to a cliffhanger, this might go right. Yeah. And what's interesting about the decisions they made in terms of keeping your suspense and keeping the cliffhangers going, very often things do go right. Mm. And you think that Jimmy and Kim's so. going to, they're going to win. Yeah. And that, I think, makes it more of a comforting watch. As in, you come back and you want to watch the guys you like do well. Yes. Sometimes they... You want to see them have a win. Please tell me it went well. Yeah. It went well. Very well? Like, very, very? Beyond our wildest, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> How many of these has she had? I am just getting started, baby. <laughs> Remember these faces, Dale. Just they are going to be on the cover of Fortune magazine January issue. No, Dale's a good guy. He's not going to yeah, be This comes anymore. back to my superhero things. They, they, the thing that's interesting about the characters of, certainly of uh, Jimmy and Kim, is they both have a superpower, mm. which is they are amazing at lawyering yeah. or persuading yeah. or tricking. They're verbal, dexterous, yes. clever. Yeah. And if they use that power for good, they could be unstoppable. Which they do sometimes. And sometimes I mean, they use their powers for good in a bad way. Mm. And it's those decisions. You go, they're, they're, it's, it's like watching a Spider-Man movie. It's as simple as that. They, they wake up one day, they can climb walls. Yes. What do you do with that? Yeah. And I love that simplicity. Hey, everyone. My name's Jimmy McGill. I'm an attorney at law, but uh, don't mind me. Do you recall responding to a mailer from my law firm, Davis and Maine of Santa Fe, New Mexico? I, I don't know. Well, we were looking to help any sandpiper residents who may have been overcharged for uh, basic goods and services. Now, does that ring a bell? Oh, maybe. Was it yellow? It's canary yellow. I picked that color myself. <laughs> well, ma'am, I'm here to make sure you get your money back. I like the fact that there's a, a way in which audiences care for characters as well. In, in, uh, we, we keep comparing it to Breaking Bad because it's the obvious comparison, but you, you care, you often just care for people because they're on the screen. We, yeah. we discuss this a lot. You, if you put, point a camera at someone and you just go, oh, what's this guy doing? I sort of identify with this guy. I don't, don't know what he's up to. Oh, he seems to be, he's probably like me, probably, you know. Yeah. And it, that magical yeah. process is, is kind of how all of this works. But with some, uh, you know, with, with, again, Breaking Bad, you watch these people and you're like, well, I, I'm not really invested in a psychopathic drug lord as much as I might be in, in say, yeah. Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. 
Yeah. But because they're in the same world, you, you, your sympathies are somewhat limited. Whereas in Better Call Saul, you get to meet people like Kim and you get yeah. to meet people like Jimmy. I mean, it's partly the show is about the death of Jimmy McGill. Yeah. So you get to meet these people when they were lovable and when they were nice and when they were on their uppers and they hadn't had, you know, the breaks. Well, they're, they're in an upward trajectory, both of them, and it, it, it's very careful to do this. Obviously, I haven't seen what, how much they're going to pack into the last episode. So I assume we're not going to see that it's much more of their, of their origins. <laughs> yeah. sort of but when they do drop in those tiny moments of seeing how uh, Kim came from her family, you go, oh, I love these people with their underdogs. Mm. They both, they're not of the class yes. of the people in the legal profession they work with. They're not uh, privileged. They've struggled. He's got that lovely certificate on his wall from the University of Western Samoa. Yeah. He's not got <laughs> yes. a Harvard degree. These are, they're swimming amongst extremely privileged people. Mm. And they're helping extremely vulnerable, poor people, yes. some of whom are criminals. Yes. You root for them because they're the wheelers and dealers. They've not been given anything. They've no. got. They've gone out and grabbed everything. And the show very explicitly plays with that. I think you've got Howard Hamlin, who's yeah. who represents that all of that world of privilege. You know, his dad owns the company and everything else. And yet, and it plays on your assumptions about him as well. Yeah. And those are flipped on on their head eventually when spoilers something bad happens to Howard. But you get you get to visit these characters, and you just said Howard Hamlin there. One of the things someone pointed out about the great the golden age of American TV drama is that how comic book it is. Mm. And when you've got characters called Walter, Walter White, <laughs> Don Draper, Howell Hamlin, and you go, yeah. oh, they're like Peter Parker, yeah. Clark Kent. They've got these alliterative names that mm. tell you who they are. Jesse Pinkman, yes. uh, Saul Goodman is a made-up name. Yeah. But you go, well, actually, we've got Breaking Bad, mm. Saul Goodman. What yeah. do you think the two stories we're going to well, have here are going to I have no idea. It's painted in these lovely, despite being this thing that flatters an intelligent audience mm. and is meant to be for a patient, novelistic, middle-class, new TV audience. This isn't Columbo or Magnum PI. Yeah. It's not meant for a mass network audience. Mm. It is written with the energy of a comic book and the generosity and the clarity of a comic book. That it says to people, you'll know within seconds who the big guy at the legal firm is. Yeah. And you'll boo him yeah. when he's a bit mean. Mm. And then occasionally it'll flip things over. Like, you you know and who his brother is, and then his brother turns to be someone completely different. And that's, that's the genius of it, that you have those characters, and, and you think you know them as archetypes, and they're much better fleshed out than you, yes. you imagined. Well, that's so, the whole point of, of box set drama, is it yeah. gives you the archetypes. I said this once, that, that all the, the opening wave of great box set drama, they were taking film genres that you've seen 90 minutes or two hours of, and they said, let's do 86 hours of it. So you got to know the archetypes better. Mm. And the joy of it was going in, seeing an archetype, and then saying, oh, it turns out the big gangster boss has actually got problems and a therapist. Yeah. Great. Exactly. So I'm, I'm on board with that. The other thing that we should talk about is that that makes it so watchable and so much a thing that I come back to. Because we talked as well about um, you're not coming back to box sets. It's like they're almost a sort of, despite them being sort of masterpieces, they are disposable. I mean, uh, I watch a lot of television and I think the ones that I've gone back to some of The Sopranos just because I really enjoy it. And I've gone back to some of Breaking Bad, I think more or less because it shed light on Better Call Saul. But I go back to those th- first three or four series of Better Call Saul quite a lot and rewatch them. That's really interesting because the rewatch value of, of this prestige drama, mm. I'm always shocked by how low it is. Yes. Because while you're in it, while the uncertainty's there, while you don't know where the story's going, mm. and obviously the perfect example of that would be something like Lost, the, the mystery uh, genre of these box sets that where there's a question, yes. what's going on? Yeah. And they go, we'll tell you in a million years, <laughs> which is really strange because the Twilight Zone set that precedent up and you're supposed to answer it in 25 minutes. Yeah. 
you'll keep watching to find out what's going to go on. And usually, by the time you find out what's going on, everyone goes, I was really disappointed by the denouement of that. Of course you were, because humans aren't designed to watch something that doesn't tell you what's going on for 96 hours. What's strange is that as soon as you find out what's happened to these characters and you know where they're going and there's the final episode, and you go, what a wonderful finale that was, it's quite hard to go back and watch an episode in isolation. When all the questions are answered. Yeah. This is the amazing thing. I mean, the other thing we should say about Better Call Saul is it's a prequel. Um, yeah. A genre nobody likes <laughs> or enjoys, um, and yeah, they better call Darth Maul. Yeah, and they, <laughs> it's that bad. Yeah. Um, they and they keep getting made, and the problem with prequels is that you are waiting always for the other shoe to drop, and yeah. you are waiting for somebody to become something that you know them to be. Yeah. And it's staggering that Better Call Saul manages to not do that and it also manages to avoid all the pitfalls of prequel by posing different questions it's not really about how he became this person which is it's very much part of the story but it's it's more who was he to begin with yeah who you know what choices did he have when he appears i mean what i'm I'm sure i'm sure i'm not the only person who's done this but when there was an episode called breaking bad Mm. in season six of better call saul which links up with an episode of breaking bad uh, season two episode eight they 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 jigsaw together yes and they've got the cast back and it's great so i immediately went back and watched that episode to see that's the moment that saul goodman the dodgy lawyer arrives in the breaking bad story yeah and i watched it to find out who he was and you're right he's an archetype yeah when he turns out it's it's bob unkirk's been brought in as comic relief yeah and he comes around does the kind of guy he used to play in Mr. Show sketches, <laughs> uh, which is like, hi, I'm selling you a thing. Yes. I'm Van Hammersley. Now, worldwide billiards champion Van Hammersley presents a series of videotapes designed to teach as well as entertain. Simply viewing this tape qualifies you for a high school diploma. Van teaches you mathematics. You simply subdivide each part by its cosine. Science. Bam, bam. And that's why we have nitrogen. American history. And that's when Lincoln said, don't dish my homies. He, he come, he's doing an advert. Guy. But the reason mm. that, that Better Call Saul is all about the advertising and the, the, the ballyhoo and the yeah. rattling of the stick in the swirl bucket is that's Bob Odenkirk, one of his characters he can do from sketches. Yeah. Hi, I'm Saul Goodman. Did you know that you have rights? The Constitution says you do, and so do I. I believe that until proven guilty, every man, woman, and child in this country is innocent. And that's why I fight for you, Albuquerque. And he turns up and he's that sketch character and you go, I know who he is straight away. Yeah. And all the better call Saul is, is saying, you don't know that guy. No, you really don't. How did he get there? Because that's a front. Yeah. And the difference between the characters, which again is a beautiful bit of performance from, from Bob Odenkirk, is that he's, sometimes he's Saul. Yeah. And sometimes he's Jimmy. Yeah. On screen. Yeah. And they're very different people. Sometimes he's Gene, the, the guy from the future. Yeah. They're all different body languages, all different deliveries. And you're watching to find out how he gets to be that guy. So it is a prequel. Yeah. But maybe the secret is they show you where he goes afterwards. Yeah. The black and white bits. Yeah. This is Mr. Takovic. Oh, please. Mr. Takovic was my father. Call me Gene. I really like the idea that Jimmy is allowed silence. Jimmy's much more pensive and he's allowed to observe things. Whereas Saul, because of everything that's happened to him and all his various demons and misfortunes he just talks he talks all the we've seen him he talks as soon as he wakes up he talks talks in the shower talks in the car on the way to work talks at work you know goes home talks 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 because he can't let the silence in because the silence will force him to realize some terrible things dad it's garbaggio on its way to the dumpster <laughs> uh, 
I know that this place needs a little TLC, but this is just day one. Two weeks from now, you won't recognize it. Where's Miss Wexler? And you wouldn't have got a sense of that from Breaking Bad. You would have just gone. I mean, this is why the prequel idea sounded so unpromising. You're like, well, you know. Like, well, that guy? Yeah, I, did, I know how archetypes come about. And also, when you meet people like Saul in real life, they generally tend to be like that all the time. They're not like, yeah, yeah they didn't have a previous existence. They just tended to be, you know. It's a survival technique. And it's a survival technique that loads of people in comedy develop. <laughs> Yes. To, to not stop talking. So someone who's come from this background, Bob Odenkirk, will mm. know that. Yeah. The guys who write this, who are good at writing comedy, will probably know this. Yes. That it's, when people talk about, he was the class clown, you know, mm. why were you the class clown? It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. It's, a, it's a way of stopping thinking. You, that Douglas Adams thing, people, human beings keep moving their mouths, otherwise their brains start working. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, what's amazing about the stillness in Better Call Saul, and it's exploited brilliantly in the episode we've just seen, whether you find out what happened to Kim, mm. where they even do the full Long Good Friday long shot of someone's face while they consider the previous yes. hours you've been watching mm. is that the stillness is where the thinking happens yeah. and the, where the thinking happens is where the regret happens yes, and you, exactly. you do the full Bob Hoskins face <laughs> shot a lot in Better Call Saul yeah. peaking with this astonishing uh, image of Rhea Seahorn thinking about her life story yeah. that you've been watching and that's why he talks that's mm. why he's all front because yeah. otherwise he'd be thinking about the decisions he's made When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's, it's worth talking as well just about how phenomenal the leads are. I mean, I, it's, yes. it's proverbial now that they're fantastic, but they are. They're absolutely... Are they all up for Emmys this year? Oh, I they're Almost so. all of them, I think. I really, I mean, I, they're just, you know, the, the work is astonishing. I mean, I'm calling it the work like I'm an actor or I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't. It, it's acting. I don't understand it. It's a science I, I don't, I can't crack. But it, it's, it's beautiful to watch. Okay, listen, we will figure this out. And yes, you will appeal. We'll appeal this to them, stand, but we won't let them. And we'll find a way to make you look sincere. Kim, I was sincere. I know that. I meant we will so fix I might it. have been a little corny, but I meant every word. I know that. You don't believe me. Of course I do. Jesus, it's right there on your face. You think I'm some kind of lowlife, some kind of asshole. What? What kind of lawyer guilty people hire, right? Oh, Jimmy, that's You, you not... look at me and you see slipping Jimmy. I never said that. Yeah, but you thought it. Because it's a love story as well, you want those characters to succeed. You want them to be happy, and you know all the time that they're not going to end up like that. 
I mean, until literally two weeks ago, we thought Kim was going to be killed. I mean, it yeah, was, like, it that seems was the constant thing they were playing the, with. The obvious unsaid was that she's not in Breaking Bad, so yeah. what happens to her? So something yeah. bad, either something enormous or mm. something terrible is going to happen to her. And there was a feeling all the time, the dread of it. And that's because of the engine that drives this show, which doesn't drive Breaking Bad, mm. which I only noticed which I only noticed by rewatching that 2.8. I went, yeah. oh, what drives Breaking Bad is mistrust. Yeah. Everyone in it mistrusts everybody. The strange thing about Better Call Saul, which is a show about a liar, <laughs> is it's about trust. Yeah. And it's about love. Mm. And it's a show that's driven entirely by love, the love of a brother for another brother. Yes. And how that gets betrayed yeah. or how that could be complicated. The love of these, these, especially the love of this man for this woman, this woman for this man. Mm. They have found brilliantly in those astonishing scenes where they, they both use their superpowers together. Yes. They found a soulmate. Yeah. Someone who understands the impulse that leads them to trick people. Yes. Because <laughs> they just, there's a wonderful phrase that that's in, um, I think it's in Steve Kaplan's book on uh, comedy writing. It says that to follow a comic mm. character, they just want to win. Yeah. And all you have to do is work out how does Sam Malone or, or Woody Boyd want to win mm. in this scene and they'll clash. Yeah. How does how does Martin Crane want to win? How does Fraser Crane want to win? Mm. And those two things will clash. Bugs Bunny and Emil Fudd yeah. want to win in different ways. And there's those great moments in Better Call Saul where Kim and Jimmy want to win the same way. Yeah. And because they both suddenly fall into lockstep mm. and they're tricking someone for no reason in a bar, <laughs> pretending to be someone else, suddenly she says, hello, I'm, and lies about her name. And you go, oh, and you're part goes you're meant to be together because yeah. no one else particularly not his brother understands why Jimmy has to lie all the yeah. time yeah I know you I know what you were what you are people don't change you're slipping Jimmy and slipping Jimmy I can handle just fine but slipping Jimmy with a law degree is like a chimp with a machine gun and it's it makes you care and, and the weird thing is, is you care for all the characters see you tonight if you play your cards right because they have been dealt a bad hand mm. Because they've been dealt bad societal hand, and they, they, they're, they're struggling. Yeah, it's such an American story. Yeah. They start from nothing, and they've got to win. And you watch the way they can win is to use the thing they've got, which is their mouths. Uh, if I take this job today with Davis and Maine, does that mean that you and me is this is this going to happen? I was reading an interview with Vince Gilligan, and he just talked about. Stanley Kubrick. There's an interview with Stanley Kubrick where he was asked, why did you have the Blue Danube waltz when you have the spaceships? And he said, showmanship. Uh, <laughs> Vince Gilligan <laughs> said that he and the writing team will often go, showmanship. Yeah. And it is a big thing on that show. It's like the scams are brilliant. The scams yeah. generally are, I would say all of them are workable in reality. I don't, I'm not an expert on this, but you, they don't insult your sense of like, you know, when you see something that's been poorly worked out and you go, that really is stretching credibility. All the scams are sort of bulletproof. To set those things up, I mean, we're, we're both writers. It's like, it, it takes forever to set those up well. Yeah. And to come up with them. I mean, there's the fantastic one where Mike needs to plant cocaine on a truck uh, yeah. and he puts it in some sneakers, which no, who notices a pair of sneakers hanging off a telegraph wire? Nobody. Yeah. And then he uses his sniping skills to knock out the... Yeah. Shoes, the spraying the thing with cocaine. It's it, brilliant. It's, they're, they're Heath Robinson, Rube Goldberg it's machines. It's very if I baroque. OK Go videos. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long OK Go video, that one, but it does, it would, it, it's a lot of effort. It does work. And when when they pull the scam on Howard eventually, that proves their downfall. Yeah. Um, the scam goes off perfectly. 
Yes. And, and what goes wrong with it isn't that the scam doesn't work. No, it's it's that they're awful people. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's something William <sighs> Goldman said this, and he said that what audiences love is how-to. Yeah. He said one of the things he said, you can show them characters they like, all this sort of stuff. But one of the things they love is how-to, which is why he said heist movies are always great. Mm. You love to watch how clever people do a thing. Yes. And you'll watch it whether it's watching... Um, Day of the Jackal and watching a man assemble a, a rifle really skillfully. Yes. Or you'll watch a heist movie or a robbery movie where someone pulls off an audacious, mm. uh, uh, audacious scam. Yeah. And Better Call Saul is built on these set pieces. It's not every episode, but fairly regularly they'll do an audacious scam and they get bigger and bigger. But at the same time, they're always still really small. Yes. When they do a bank heist <laughs> in Better Call Saul as the climax of their last season, they mm. have a huge bank heist. It's in a mall, stealing shoes. Yeah. Wait, there's cameras? Sure, there's cameras. They erase the tapes every 72 hours. So that's why you only take three of each and only the pricey stuff. When the store opens the next morning, they won't even know they were robbed. By the time they do inventory, abracadabra, no more Jeffy on the tape. And I think yeah. that one of the things that needs to be said about this series and why I think it's a masterpiece is that every time it threatens to fall in love with the idea of organised crime mm. or scale, the moment they try and build a massive underground meth lab, it comes down to dealing with builders. Yeah. They keep it on a level you can understand. Opening up that world really works for them as well. It's like, you know, this, you know the, it's just in Breaking Bad, it's just that he's got, Gus Fring has a meth lab. It's because he's a, he's a meth kingpin. He'll have a meth facility. Yeah. How has he had to build that? And it's, 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 it's the <laughs> That's a story. Pain in the arse logistics of having to do that and keep it secret and the fact, all the that, rest that was of done it. at the level of uh, that is almost because basically Fring is on the edge of where they become cartoon characters, where they become yes. Bond villains. Yeah. So I think that's that's where the Salamancas and things they are. Mm cartoon baddies which is really good what's brilliant about that is that's almost an austin powers joke of saying so how has he got an underground lair and <laughs> yes. it's that thing of going yeah. well this must have cost ages and you've got to put health and safety in and go yeah. oh brilliant i'm going to watch that and there kept being moments in saul where i thought it was about to tip into being about admiring or wondering at the scale of crime yeah and every time it pulled it down and made it small there was a moment during the construction of that underground meth lab where the builders go to a strip bar. I'm mm. talking to you about this. Yes. And there's an opening scene of a woman's ass gyrating past the shop <laughs> and then loads of loud music and beers. And I went, I've seen this in every fucking crime drama. The stripper <laughs> bar. It's, it's just yeah. the moment you go, oh God, is this where we're going to, we're going to be in mm. fucking Scarface territory now. We're, at some point we're going to, it's meant to, as certainly as men admire yeah. the fact that these we're gonna women- We're going to be hanging out with the lads. The pimps and yeah, shit. And uh... it has that same thing as Atlanta has in going, this is grim. This is realistic. The Sopranos, to be fair, does it as well. We like the guys the yeah, bad exactly. of being, and it's like, oh well, this is the terrible night out, isn't it? But, but within, <laughs> within an episode, it pulled back down to going. This is really awkward and complicated. Yeah. It didn't enjoy the glamour of it, and I like the fact that it flirts with the, the again the cartoon mm. comic book glamour of crime, but never goes there. It's always about a scam in an old people's home. Yeah. It's always about doing it in a horrible strip mall. <laughs> it's about building work. It's, it's a very small. Monty Python idea as well to, to look into that sort of yeah. the, the, the admin <laughs> behind, you know, yes. crime or like any of those things. Yeah, it's actually like, that's yeah. a sketch I think we wrote for Mitchell and Webb about building the Bond villain's lair and yeah. having, having to have yellow stripy tape everywhere because there are hazards. The, the staff could fall into the piranha it's pit. It's really Yeah, common. it's incredibly tedious. I think we wrote a sketch, <laughs> I wrote a sketch ages ago that didn't get used for um, a show about Willy Wonka being pulled up by a health and safety executive. You know, there should have at least been a barrier around the Chocolate River because it's it's you had children there, Willy. I, I mean, it, it's... <laughs> 
you know, we're looking at a lot. There's multiple lawsuits here. These parents are furious. Their children died. Really. <laughs> Even though it is, as Bob Odenkirk says, 15% comedy, 85% drama. Yeah. There is a sensibility at its heart, which I think it does share with Succession, that it's always going for the comic beat in the writer's room of going, what's funny? Yeah. What's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. And then you play it out with utter seriousness. And I think that gives it, even though they decided not to do it as a sitcom, it gives it a sitcomness mm. because the heroes are flawed, but not dramatically flawed. They're comically flawed. Yes. Because they have terrible trouble doing things. They're also, the thing about the MacGyverisms that we talked about as well, yeah. they're all, they're, it's a mark of capability in that universe that if you can improvise something. Yeah. Even Gus Fring can Im- improvise, a, you know, he seems to be a very serious and very considered character, can improvise a, a thing to burn down his chicken restaurant using a frozen chicken. Yeah. You know, and, and Mike... I want that. And Mike's ones where he, you know, he gives Lalo the slip by chewing gum and putting it into the parking machine. Yeah. It's all just beautiful. It's And, and my particular favourite, which I bored you about before, is when they get the money back from the Kettleman's in the yeah. first series. Which is just a, a you know, because you don't know what's happening. It's a wonderful piece of a set piece where they, Mike is waiting outside the house, and the way in which they do it by planting money, so it looks like the children have been playing with the money and they found the money, and then they put luminol on the money and they go into the house, and and, and Mike goes into the house and everything is just, it's just lit up like a pathway to where the money is. It is perfect. I honestly have watched that sequence about a dozen times because it's and also the music is great. Uh, it's uh, Chris Joss. just so well put together and so stylish again showmanship you're entirely comfortable with the way that that things are done in that show you're entirely you're in safe hands with the writing the characters everything you know that this is a smart show and it's not a patronizing show but it's it's also going to give you something you've not seen before and it, it does it so well that MacGyver stuff where they're setting something up, the A-team escaping from the, the lock-up by improvising a tank out of a ballpoint pen shit that they do a lot of time, is one, a lovely nod to the joy of television. Because mm. this is a, a thing that we've seen before. We like to watch someone clever yes. uh, get out. Let's now get out of that. Yeah. Solve the problem. It's great to watch. How do you get out of either a moral or a physical or a, a, a dramatic problem mm. using your brain? You're watching it. And then on the rewatch. When you know what's coming, you're watching the ingenuity of the writing team. You absolutely are. That's entirely true. There's um, uh, the scam at the where he, the cab driver, where Saul as Gene uh, in Nebraska does the thing of mutually assured destruction. He does a criminal scam with the guy in order to avoid, you know, so he, the guy can never turn him in because yeah. he's set him up for so much. You pull people into your, your scam. Yeah. And you get to watch that, that guy, he forces him to do the big heist in the mall. And, and therefore he's got blood yeah. on his hands too. Theft from an interstate shipment, up to 10 years. Transportation of stolen goods, another 10 years. Sale of stolen goods, 10 years. Conspiracy to commit a federal crime. Oh, conspiracy? It was your idea. Yeah. It's called mutually assured destruction. So... I go down, you go down. Man, you don't have to threaten us. We're all friends here. I am not your friend. And you are so impressed with that because it's not, you know, I mean, I was watching that thinking, oh, well, someone's recognised him now. The game's up. And you think, well, he's actually faced off against Walter White. He's faced Mm. off against Mike and Gus and and Lalo and all the monsters of this universe. And he's got the better of pretty much all of them. 
And what if a the, cab driver uh, takes him down? Exactly. And he's like, why was I worried about the cab driver? Because this is not going to happen. We're watching the stories and the prequel is heading towards him becoming Saul. Mm. And the black and white footage, which is him in Nebraska sort of now-ish, yeah. that's the story we're wondering how it's going to pay off. And the answer there will be, it will go wrong if someone recognises him. The idea yeah. is he's far away from the desert. He's somewhere snowy as he can be. Mm. He's got a new name. He's working in Greg's, effectively. <laughs> working in Cinnabon. <laughs> yes. Um, Working, making making buns in a mall mm. bakery. He's as hidden as he can be. And the problem there is that he was famous in Albuquerque, yeah. so someone might recognise him, and a cabbie from Albuquerque recognises him. And this is played over a very, very long, <laughs> slow power. And you go, well, this is the thing, that this is his downfall. Yes. One person recognises him behind the moustache and the glasses, we're in trouble. And I'm saying to you, I said, the really weird thing is, I'm really bad at long arc storytelling. <laughs> I like story of the week or yes. a little five or six episode thing. I can he was recognised by a cab driver during the Obama administration. Yes. That's <laughs> the problem. We're supposed to remember yeah. it. Someone remembered it. And then mm. this guy turns up with his mum played by Carol Burnett. And I'm going, as always, who's this guy? Yeah. And I went, oh, shit, that's the cabbie. Mm. And I looked it up and it turns out that he's been recast. Pat Healy, who's playing the cabbie, <laughs> yes. Jeff the cabbie now, mm. isn't the guy who recognised him. Right. So... In terms of long arc storytelling, the Better Call Saul guys are saying, well, you better be paying attention for all the subtleties and Easter eggs fans because mm. we're going to play them out over several years. And also going, I hope you don't recognise him because it's a different fucking actor. <laughs> and I love that. I suddenly thought they don't want me to pay attention. Yes. They don't expect me to have been paying attention to every nuance of this because they will tell the story clearly enough mm. that I will know that's the cabbie. I don't know how I knew that was the cabbie, yes. but I immediately went, I bet that's the cabbie. And that's confident writing, that you're not just writing to a fan base who you think are avid and are communicating with you and listening to podcasts. You're saying, I'll tell the story in the order that if you watch a single episode of this, we'll leave enough seeds and trails for you to be able to enjoy that one episode on its own. Exactly. I thought that was brilliant. The thing that's worth mentioning in our assessment of this is that we are both writers. You, we both did a lot of comedy. You st we still do comedy, nominally. <laughs> uh, and are they making comedy they, anymore? I don't know <laughs> if they're making it. We're there. Uh, and, and, you know, and drama. And, so, and, and you, because you end up, because it's your job, you end up watching a lot of things very, very critically, perhaps slightly too critically. And a lot of the time they are wanting. There's something that's lacking or there's, yeah. a, there's a logical leap that doesn't work and it just ruins it for you. During lockdown, again, this is I got into watching, there's a guy on YouTube called My Mechanics and he is a, he fixes things. And he, he is, there's lots of people on YouTube who fix things. He is Mozart. He absolutely, like, there are, he, he can strip anything, but he also specialises in devising solutions for things. Right. So you watch him fix things, but also invent tools to fix that specific thing and, and all the rest of it. And it is incredibly satisfying to watch. I mean, it, and there, there's the sense that you are absolutely in safe hands and that, that you know, that somebody knows more than you do, essentially. Yeah. And it's that same feeling you get when you watch something this well-crafted where you go all cylinders are firing here the characters are excellent the acting is excellent the script is amazing the 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 plotting is fantastic and it's also taking me a place i didn't expect to go yeah. it is doing something interesting with those situations that i didn't like you the excitement you feel when they scam howard yeah is you're not expecting that gut punch you and you feel it as they do because you're right i do have a problem just not the problem you think. I have a Jimmy McGill problem. Jimmy McGill? You'll have to excuse me. Howard! Julie! Cancel my week. It keeps flipping, so mm. you don't know what's going to happen next. And one of the ways it does it, you pointed this out to me, is that sometimes they win. Mm. Now, a cruder version of this would be about a guy who's overambitious and he's got these big scams and plans. 
and they always go wrong. Yeah. So you kind of go, well, I know he's going to get his comeuppance in a minute, but I don't know whether they're going to win at these things or not. So I don't know whether someone's, if it was Game of Thrones and the engine was that unexpected people keep getting killed. Yes. I kind of know after a while that it's going to go wrong and someone's going to get killed. Mm. So when Jeff, the taxi driver, falls over in the middle of the heist yeah. and is underneath all the, the, the CCTV cameras, you don't know if he's going to get up. I went, I genuinely, in pure, like Schrodinger's cat, there's two versions playing out in my head. One, if he gets up, I've got a rough idea where this is going to go. If he doesn't get up, I've got a rough idea where, where, where it's going to go. But they're both possible mm. because in the past, the scams have worked and haven't worked. People have been killed randomly and people have had a lovely escape. <laughs> and you pointed out to me that they keep finishing the story. Yeah. It's finished about six times now. Jimmy so. keeps getting away with it. Yeah. And that's not something I've seen in this kind of drama where it's about a, a fall from grace or someone being overambitious. It is a tamble in the great story. He's too ambitious. And mm. what's he going to do that's going to be his downfall? He keeps getting away with it. And you suddenly think, well, they could stop this now. They could just finish it. And I think that's key to, A, it being constantly surprising. Mm. So you don't know where the writing's going to go. So you go, I trust these guys because they're amazing, these yeah. writers. They yeah. can go somewhere amazing with it. But also it means that occasionally you can relax. Yeah. So you're not constantly tense. No, exactly. Which as you were with Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh, we talk about this. We keep saying that as if Breaking Bad's a terrible series. We keep no, saying, it so, was one of the best series ever made. But they just made a better one. <laughs> yeah, they did. They made incredible. I know. I they know. learned from the mistakes of the best series ever made. And it was a prequel. <laughs> it was a pre- it was unbelievable. <laughs> It was like, oh, we've got this, got a Lamborghini, and we've everyone loved that, and now we've made a wheelbarrow, and it's like, <laughs> but the wheelbarrow can travel through time. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> when they first started doing this, they thought that the audience would want to see Saul, mm. the fast-talking sleazy lawyer, as quickly as possible because yes. he's the character they've come to see. Well, you did. I mean, that's the thing. And then they suddenly realised everyone was happy watching Jimmy, the yeah. nice guy who's really. I mean, again, it's Odin Kirk can play both. He's incredibly mm. empathetic. He can play both. He can play Clark Kent and Superman. Yes. And you're watching him play both identities. And after a while, they went, same as you do with Christopher Reeve. I'm quite happy to watch him just be Clark Kent because he's lovely at it. (laughs) I knew I'd like you when I saw how you saved that poor man on the television. Moxie is in such short supply these days. Yeah, well, I pride myself on my Moxie. The other thing that you don't see Kim Wexler very often, characters like Kim Wexler on television who have who are enormously intimidatingly capable yeah. and yet are their own worst enemy in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I, in a lot of ways, the characters in that universe are all their own worst enemy. But yeah. it, with, with Kim, it, it feels like she has so much potential, as is constantly. You know, yes. She's regarded that. Other characters, other characters talk about her that way. Like yeah. When people witness, they yeah. just go, everyone knows she is the best lawyer they know. Yeah. She's the, she should be at the top of this. She should be the absolute winner. Mm. And she plays it so beautifully. She's written so beautifully. And this is a show with not a lot of female characters. Yeah. They are really good, but it's mainly about men and mean men, gangsters and criminals yeah. and, yeah. and the, the sort of a hard-bitten uh, 90s, 2000s law firm, which is very, very male-driven. Mm. Uh, she is carrying all that weight. And you just love her yeah. and love watching her. And because you love her, you understand why Jimmy loves her. Mm. And she should do really well. Yeah. And watching her not do well is the exquisite pain of it. What kind of operation are you running anyway? Tell me. Because I think I know why you sent him to do this job. It's obvious. You have no one else you can trust. This is the thing as well, is that we live in a, a culture that fetishizes second chances. We have, we, it's where we are culturally, is that, that 
we're seen as like life is never really over. You know, like you yeah. can you can start again at any point, and it's really brutal to see a thing where someone can't. Like they never can, and it is absolutely gutting to see her in those that, those final episodes that we've seen her where it's just she made bad choices and she's lived with the consequences. Unlike Jimmy, who's just spent his life evading them. If you want to know what good minimal writing is, the opening five ten minutes of episode twelve is some of the best minimal writing I've ever seen. Where the joke is hilarious and mm. tragic at the same time, which this show does brilliantly, where you see the life, you find out what happened to Kim. Mm. And the answer is, she ended up where we are. Yeah. She's ended up in our world. She's left Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad World, <laughs> which is exciting. She's, and she's in, it's in black and white. Mm. And for some reason, it's in super black and white. It's got the right mayonnaise. It's got less colour mm. than any black and white has ever had. <laughs> There's a lovely interview with the costume designer. She said it was so hard to try and get her into clothes. <laughs> So she said, same body, same actor. I said, how can I dress her to be a different character? They dye her hair and they put her in clothes that are beyond beige. She said, yeah. she's back to be in Florida. She had to make all the patterns really small because she's in the greyest, simplest existence that you can imagine. And the horror of it is it's where we all live. And you suddenly realise that one of the things that's appealing about watching crime drama is that it's colourful. Yeah. And it's done. I mean, you want to talk about symbolism? Yeah. The opening <laughs> scene you see in, in Better Call Saul He's watching the old videos of his life where he's Saul mm. and they're reflected in his glasses and it's really subtle. They're in colour. Yeah. <laughs> and then it happens again in these last couple of episodes, it's happened a couple of times where he's watching those videos and you suddenly see a bit of colour reflected yeah. in his glasses in the black and white scenes. Why do they do the mad things? Why do they commit the crimes? Mm. Because it's exciting. Yeah. Because the alternative is the boredom of those landscapes, of those flat American towns. That's just, you're not shown that a lot, that uh, crime is fun. You know, yeah. it's like, and the, the particular kind of almost cerebral crime that Jimmy and Kim have cornered is, you know, it's satisfying to them. It's like a crossword puzzle. Yeah, they're just it, doing Sudoku's yeah, all the time. It's, and, and like it's, couples do to Yeah, they <laughs> do. Um, but you also get that thing of like the explanation for Kim being where she is. And they're both in limbo. They're both now yeah. in purgatory. She's in purgatory because she did a terrible thing. She was complicit in a terrible thing. And she, as far as she knows, can't go public with it. She can't tell yeah, anyone yeah. because there'd be repercussions. So she's Jimmy not in hiding. She's not in hiding. No. That's the brilliant thing is, Better Call Saul is a is a drama about the opening scene shows you a man in hiding. He's mm. not using. He's he's had three names, maybe even four names. Yeah. He's used different names on the way through, and he's ended up with this identity of Gene, the guy who works in the bakery. Mm. No one must know who he is. When you see Kim's parallel story, where she's ended up, she's called Kim Wexler. Yeah. She works in a in a, 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 a an irrigation firm doing catalogues. Mm. She's in the office. She's in the Armstrongs. Yes. She's in the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the jobs we all do. Mm. And there's no, weirdly, there's no sneering no, at her job. No, no, it's quite nicely done. You go, she's yeah. supposed to have a nice life with friends and colleagues from work. But what there isn't is any colour. Mm. The particular colour that she likes. Garish, yeah. daring. The, 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 yeah. the blood's up. And all the drama so far has been about, if you're tempted to go looking for that thrill, mm. to use your superpowers to swing through the buildings yeah. and do amazing things. Because you can, but it's dangerous. Yeah. And that's, she, more than Jimmy, is the perfect representative of saying, well, you can do the thing you're designed for. She's constantly given the choice of doing it on one side of the law or the other. Yeah. And keeps being dragged to the other side of the law because it's really thrilling. Mm. You can see it, she's always fighting to try and stay on the, in the side of the light. Yeah. Uh, that's pure, brilliant writing to have yeah. two characters and watch one of them make every wrong decision and one of them make every right decision and both of them want to do the opposite. 
the other interesting character we've not talked about much. I mean, there's so many, but there's is Chuck. And oh. Chuck's uh, is uh, Chuck is an exemplary person, according to you know he's and and yet he's public Jimmy, face. He's public face is is you know he's a he's a respected member of the community, but Jimmy has to do so much legwork in the first yeah. two seasons to maintain that for him. Um, and he's he willingly does it because it's his brother and he loves his brother. And it's, there's a it's, beautiful engine there which I've talked about a lot, which is unfairness. Mm, yes, it's, 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 a, it's a, an engine that writers. It took me years to learn to go. Evil is not interesting. Unfairness yeah. is incredibly interesting. And you know that Jimmy is treated unfairly by Chuck. Yeah, and you will watch that forever. Yeah, and that's I, I always call it the Matilda thing. Yeah. All the, the Roald Dahl's Matilda has no plot except it's just relentless unfairness. They're all all Roald Dahl's like yeah. that. It's oh, like, oh, yeah, Charlie Bucket yeah. doesn't get chocolate. Everyone else gets chocolate. Yeah, everyone else gets chocolate. Thing. Uh, he gets to win the chocolate factory. That's yeah, fair. That's right. And finally, at the end, of it, there's no plot between those yeah. two things. He doesn't get the chocolate. He gets all the chocolate. We've it's talked that. about Charlie and the chocolate factory a lot today. It's yeah. been really weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the thing about Chuck is as well that he um, and his uh, chocolate factory. Yeah, and his, and his, <laughs> his chocolate. Hamlin McGill, the chocolate. Yeah, is that there's a point in the second or third series where Jimmy and Kim get to the life they should have. Jimmy's running his elder law firm, yeah. which is going brilliantly because old people love Jimmy. And, and he's not too ambitious. Well, he's, he's not he's too ambitious. ambitious. No, no, he's no. not gone for like glamorous criminal law. Yeah. He has gone for a thing he can do brilliantly. He and loves he's old, people. With old, old people. Old people loves it, love him. So you know it's he's all... nice. He runs the bingo. It's yeah, great. it's great. You know, and and he's happy. And Kim is doing her pro bono work. She's doing, you know, she's doing the, the Mesa Verde case. It's all ticking over. <laughs> and it's ruined by Chuck. And yes. by by his inability to sort of let Jimmy be happy. And it is just it's why you can never feel completely like, no matter how disgusting Saul becomes, you can never feel completely, you can never completely hate him. You're not a real lawyer. University of American Samoa, for Christ's sake, an online course. What a joke. I worked my ass off to get where I am. And you take these shortcuts and you think suddenly you're my peer. You do what I do because you're funny and you can make people laugh. I committed my life to this. You don't slide into it like a cheap pair of slippers and then reap all the rewards. And they tell that story brilliantly. The, the, the moment you start thinking, why is Chuck so mean mm. to him? And it's a beautiful. Siblings are really good. There aren't yeah. enough siblings on TV. Sibling relationships are siblings really interesting. despise each other. Yeah, but also <laughs> love each other. Yeah. Love and despise. Yeah. That way that siblings can do. And mm. there's, that, there's that one, fla- they, they use flashback and flash forward in a way that is so not lazy. Yeah. All of it is useful. And weirdly, you understand it all. It never goes 30 years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it lets you work out that you're, all you're doing as a viewer of drama or comedy is looking for clues. Your brain is hungry for information mm. and for data that you can help to guess what's going to happen next. And it shows you a little flashback of their childhood, of Jimmy yeah. and, and, and Chuck's childhood. And all that it takes is that Chuck has a single thing where he thinks that Jimmy was the favourite kid. Yeah. And once you hear that, you go, oh, all the rest of the story now makes sense. Yeah. And they show you that once. The unguarded, childlike nature of Chuck as well, where yeah. at one point, I think he says, oh, everyone loves Jimmy. And it's like, and his his ex-wife loves Jimmy. Everyone likes Jimmy. Everyone, Jimmy is nice. Jimmy's a, a fun, likeable guy. Uh, you know, and and you see, and you get to make your own choice. You get that very early flashback of Jimmy as a kid, where his dad is a really easy mark and is ripped off by every yeah. other customer. And Jimmy just thinks, "I don't respect you because you can't see what these people are doing." So I, I might as well take money as well. And you yeah. kind of are left. There's no judgment in that. You're just left to go. What decision would I have made in that surgery? You know, it's good writing because it's keep, great writing. They keep finding they? a point at which you might lose sympathy for someone, yeah. or you might, uh, or you might write someone off, mm. and they'll just drop in 
maybe once in a season, a tiny origin story for that thing. Yeah. And so, well, the reason that Chuck is likes with Jimmy, don't lose patience with him. Here's why. Yeah. And you then store that. That goes in. You, that's, they, you can bank that. Yeah. And everything he does from that point on in the, in the, 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 the active timeline will make sense. Yeah. Which is really incredibly clever because they know they can't let someone be just a baddie. Mm. They're making bad decisions, but you mustn't judge them so much you stop being interested in them. So even though there are huge villains in this, the people you're watching and sympathising with and, and loving must never tip over into being villains. Mm. Got, you've got to know why they're doing the bad things. Yeah. Because otherwise, the bad things aren't interesting. Because evil isn't interesting. Unfairness is, motive is, yeah. character is. Jealousy is. I mean, yeah. you know, Chuck is incredibly jealous of Jimmy. Jimmy, in his own way, is weirdly jealous of Chuck. It's like, yeah, it's and a, you're, you're invited to read that. And they keep every time you're wondering why something happens... The opposite of the, the standard long arc television tease mm. is the moment you're wondering why someone does something you don't understand, they tell you, <laughs> which makes it much more sitcom. The the sitcom bones of it, which we, what I wanted to talk about, just because you have all those characters in Breaking Bad and it, because they're in the absolute threshing machine of Breaking Bad, you don't really, you get to enjoy them, but you don't get to sort of relax with them at any point. And you get that in Better Call Saul, both of them. I mean, there's a lot of videos on YouTube where they recut Breaking Bad as a sitcom. And, yeah. And, and, you know, and it works. It would, it would work as that. Walt, are you in the house? <laughs> what, what the hell are you doing in there? Back. No. No, you're not back. Walt, you're not back. Get... <laughs> with Better Call Saul you get to like I say unwind with them you get to see and well, that's why I do there'd be no joy, there'd be no joy in recutting Better Call Saul as a sitcom because it already is yeah. it's <laughs> like the thing where they make The Shining into a rom-com yeah. if The Shining was a rom-com there's no novelty in recutting it no. Breaking Bad as a sitcom is funny yeah. because it's a heightened level of drama that sitcom doesn't go to yeah. whereas Better Call Saul has huge sequences which are domestic intimate personal and, and hilarious and there's you know the thing about the guys seeking cream pies and like and all the stuff about the baseball cards and the ridiculous yeah. hummer that is bought those cops have no interest in helping you get your cards back you're obviously under suspicion there was nothing there for them to see i refer you to our previous conversation and this blinking neon sign of a vehicle that says drug dealer all fantastic and it's and getting the opportunity to relax with those characters yeah and, and to have new characters like nacho you think i'd be caught dead driving that thing it looks like a school bus for six-year-old pimps all right shall we move this along every bit as good as the yes. characters from the other thing that you watched it's just magical, and that is why I come back to it, I think. And I think I always will come back to those first three series at least, because they're less stressy, but <laughs> I will just put them on to relax. So, uh, hey, what you doing? Jimmy, no, I'm not talking dirty to you. What? Wait, you think that's the only reason I would call you at this time of night? I mean, just give me, give me a little bit of credit, okay? And you're not talking dirty to me either. I knew it. That, yeah. That's an undeniable thing. I think when I first started watching this and I thought, I didn't want the first two seasons to stop mm. because they were so small. Because it was about people out of their depth. It was about... Because you really like Minder as well. And it's, because they were the ones that were like Minder. They were the ones yeah. that were about small time crooks. And I just kept feeling at some point, the big guy's going to arrive and it's going to wreck this because they'll get overexcited about the big guys, the big cars mm. and the guns and the, and the amazing thing is that it has not done that. Yeah. It's managed to stay small. Even when the big guys arrived, their scenes were small. Yeah. Even when they turned up, they brought with them their families. 
uh, they brought them with them, the, the bickering and the mm. smallness and the rivals, that the big gangsters had bigger gangsters out yeah. there who were bullying them. Yeah. The, the patience with which it's held off going to Scarface this time. Mm. Whereas with Breaking Bad, I think it went Scarface the moment that Walter White's standing over the girl overdosing. Over Jane. We should plant a flag on this in time, a temporal marker. There's one episode left. What do you think is going to happen? I think he's going to turn to a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> but I think that's borrowed from another book I read. I think it might be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you know what, as well? And this is exciting to say. I don't care. Wow. And I've been really invested. I've watched six seasons of this. Mm. But I haven't been played the usual game that serial long-form drama says that I'm waiting for a totally satisfying end. That is completely key, I think, to the I have had such show. a lovely journey yeah. that even if, even if it says con- to be continued, <laughs> I'll go, great. Fine. Because the problem with long-form drama is you don't want it to stop, and yet everyone's told that you're waiting for the ending. Yeah. We're all gathered together. The reason we're making this at all is everyone wants to know what's going to happen. Mm. I don't think anything can happen that's so big that it spoils the previous ones I've watched. They're very good on appropriate death and yes. appropriate endings for characters. I trust them. There's I trust that. them. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely do trust them. And I I, uh, I can't remember it was which of the writers it was, but they said in an interview that what does this character deserve? And yeah. for Saul slash Jimmy slash Gene, uh, it is, it's a puzzle. It is, what does he deserve? And I think at this point, having seen how he's behaved in the last few episodes, unless it's part of some elaborate scheme to get to Kim, I don't know, uh, uh, which is very hard to see how. I think uh, he deserves to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. I think at this point, uh, having there's nothing of Jimmy left, I think Saul, it's all yes. Saul. And Kim said that. Yeah. And Kim is your moral compass in this mm. uh, because she can be bad. Yeah. So I like her. She's yeah. the one I, I listen to. And she says, Jimmy, you should go to jail. Mm. And at that point, I think my ears pricked up and I went, yeah, that'd be right. Yeah. As in, we need to have some kind of, he's a lawyer. Yeah. That's what happens. And at some point, the game's got to come up and bite him on the arse and go, mm. actually, you did a bad thing. You need to go to jail. That's his job. Yeah. He yeah. works in the justice system. Mm-hmm. Maybe he needs to come and bite him on the arse. Just say something. You want me to say something? Yeah. You should turn yourself in. The what? You heard me. living but it can't be much i think this is unique as an experience in that i am not desperate for the finale to make the rest of it make sense no so that's why it's probably rewatchable yeah you can probably fractally watch a tiny fraction of this and get all the fun out of it not only the fact they do do lovely story arcs they do break things down into one and two episode chunks Mm. that sometimes something will set up there'll be a cliffhanger but the cliffhanger will be closed down within yeah. an episode it will look like they're about to do an amazing plan and then you'll see it either go right or go wrong it's that mastery of of they don't believe in predestination which is an amazing thing for a prequel so the the, yeah. the world of better call Saul, which we know will go a certain way but it's presented as being as uncertain as the current moment we live in right now yeah it's with all its options and all of its possibilities all there and it it's magical and it makes it, it just makes it so perfect i think kim why are we even talking about this we're both too smart to throw our lives away for no reason. Just, I just, I only wanted to, Kim. Kim. 
him. I'm glad you're alive. I think it's unique in that I don't think the destination is the most important part of the journey. I think we've got within us, thanks to the storytelling, all the information we need so far. We've had all the experiences we need to have. We've seen how it goes well, how it goes badly. We've, we've been through all those emotional things. There's nothing that can happen in the last episode, I really don't think, that can be as big as the experience of having watched all of it. And it understands that. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think that wasn't the case with Breaking Bad, which we keep comparing yeah. it to, as, we, as again, we must. Uh, where you did, you wanted to know how certain things resolved themselves. And you wanted to know how that character, because you always you knew from the beginning he was a marked man from the yeah. first episode. You knew he did not have long to live, and this is a different thing. These are about long term consequences, and these are about people living with the consequences of their actions. You will you will have to live with the consequences of your actions, and I think that's what this show is about. So, yeah, I think he's going to prison. <laughs> have a think. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also we're talking about this as a comfort blanket, something you can come and rewatch and revisit. And you've said you'll go back and rewatch this. And I, I asked this question on Facebook. I said, do people go back and rewatch mm. old versions that, that, that you're obsessed by? Yes. Go, and I was shocked that I loved Battlestar Galactica, but I've never gone back and watched a single episode. Yeah. Thinking it's really weird. This, these exist in a very strange place. And I think this is a show that I can imagine going back and watching one episode of because I think the destination, even though it's a prequel and it's about that destination, yeah. Yeah. I don't care as much as I cared about the journey. And I think that's why. I sometimes see it, I'll, I'll be flicking through the channels and there'll be an episode of The Wire or something. Mm. And I won't, even though I love The Wire, I won't go back and watch one because it's nothing without the rest of it. Yeah. It's nothing without knowing where I am in that story. Mm. But I still go, oh, I can't, I've forgotten where everyone is and the, the, the slow <laughs> advance of everybody. Whereas this feels like all the way through it, it's, it's fractally, like a sitcom has, the essence of the show is in each individual episode. Yeah. I remember when Breaking Bad came out and I went mad for it. Mm. And a friend came over and I said, this new show's come out. And I got the DVD. I said, this, you won't have seen this. It was on bloody Channel 5. <laughs> I said, watch this. And we watched the pilot episode of Breaking Bad where it sets up and you mm. know what's gonna, it's going to be crazy. And it's still stuff. one of the greatest pilots ever made. Yeah, this incredible pilot. We watched the end of it and my mate said, that, that's amazing. So for his birthday, I bought him that DVD. I said, mm. a year later, I bumped into him again. Maybe his birthday. And I said, did you enjoy Breaking Bad? He said, oh, cannot stop watching it. And I said, so have you finished the first season? He went, no, I've watched the pilot. I said, I've watched it six times. <laughs> and I think that's what Gilligan's really good at. Yeah. As in, he's working in this field of massive TV, mm. but he's good at making single episodes you can watch again and again. Because he comes from the X-Files. He comes from yeah. that, that old Monster of the Week television. Each one of these episodes is a lovely little play with characters you like, which is what a sitcom is. Mm -hmm. And I think the rewatchability of this will be really interesting to watch because I think you will be able to go back and watch a single episode of this because they work as little units. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also worth mentioning it in the end game of this, they've played with your sympathy so much. Well, I've been worried about these two characters for years. Now they can go fuck themselves. Yes. I hate them. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. And then, uh, then you're, and then Kim quits and then you're worried about Kim again. And then Jimmy becomes Saul. You think I, I don't, and you, you, you see the life he lives and it's horrible. And you like, I don't, I don't like him again. And it just is. And then, he deals with Jeff, the cab driver, and you're like, "Ah, oh, this guy's still alive. He's he's still, you know, he's still got got his wits about him." And then you see him the next week, yeah, messing it all up. Is there a possibility with this? I'm going back to the the reflection in the glasses of the coloured mm. VHSs, the way the show opens every single week. Yeah, what he's doing, the title sequence of Better Call Saul, 15 seconds of him mm. watching an old VHS mm. of the shitty fucking low rent VHS <laughs> grade uh, public access television life that he had. Mm. That's the only bit of colour in his life now he works in a, in a, in a pie shop. Mm. 
in a way, you're watching a ghost. Mm. The black and white thing. He's in a half world now. Yeah. So he's already dead. Yeah. So you could shoot him in the last episode and you go, well, he died the moment that he went into hiding. Yeah. So weirdly, I won't go, oh, but he had so much more. Mm. All he watched him do is regret. Is dwindle. And then they gave Kim that scene where she's in the bus and you watch her and her only reaction is to cry. Mm. And you see her life, the tininess, the small talk. Yeah. the, The banality of it. And you go, oh, they were only alive. When they were in full colour. Yeah. So weirdly, we're watching them. It's like um, Matter of Life and Death. Heaven mm. is black and white. They're yeah. already dead. Yeah. <laughs> so in, so in a way, it's one of those weird things where you can love these characters, but you've already watched them die over and over again when they've made morally wrong decisions and you've disowned them. They're dead on their own terms. Yeah. Wow. So in a way, you're building towards a great big climax that is really important mm. because I want to know what happens to these characters. But also, whatever it will be, hopefully... It won't have that thing that causes people to send petitions to channels and go, that wasn't what I wanted. Because <laughs> you will, either of the options, them winning or losing, you've been through that journey with them already. Yeah. I think we will be happy. I think so, yeah. And I think I'm ready for it to finish. I think all, all the yes. questions have been answered and I think it's, it is, it's, a, it's appropriate that it's ending as it is. Uh, but I'll still miss everybody in it. And I, you know, in the way that you, you, uh, you, you, we already missed Jimmy because Jimmy's gone. Yes. You know. Can it end with it going to black and then gunshots like Blake Seven? Because <laughs> that we know yes. is perfect. It's the greatest ending of anything. There's <laughs> a lot of, if any Americans are listening, I'm sorry. We've mentioned Mind and we've mentioned Blake Seven. Hey, it's their loss. Hey, exa- well, exa- culturally, yes. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but so that's, that's my comfort blanket would be. I nominate Better Call Saul. I think you've won. Yay! There you go. I knew the season would end with someone winning. Hey, thank you. Thank you for bringing in Better Call Saul. Cheers. Presented and produced by Joel Morris for the Cheese and Pickle family of podcasts. Find us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.